If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this pumped up and engorged episode Whoa. of Mind Pump. For the first 54 minutes of this episode, we do our normal conversation, introductory conversation. We start off by talking about erectile dysfunction. Hey, boners no existing. And our new sponsor, Roman. Now, Roman uh, provides an outlet online where you can talk to a doctor online and actually get a prescription for erectile dysfunction medications online. Very easy to use. And if you go on uh, the website, getroman.com forward slash mind pump, our listeners get $50 off their first month. So go check it out. Then we talked about Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz. What? The geriatric MMA championship. <laughs> this like a decade ago or right now? It's coming up. Right now. We talk about my daughter's communion. Oh. That was fun. Mm, we talked about the, <laughs> the dosist and mirror events. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Good, good time. We talk about recovering from alcohol with activated charcoal and Organifi turmeric. Oh, yes, yeah. we are also sponsored Secret by Organifi. Formula. If you go to OrganifiShop.com, enter the code MindPump, you'll get a massive discount. We also gave an update on the Seattle head tax. They're trying to tax themselves into oblivion. The, and the Royal Wedding's $45 million price tag. Sal was super <laughs> excited about this. Who paid for that? He <laughs> videotaped it. Taxpayers yeah. did. Yeah. Then we get to the questions. The first question was, this person's trainer is saying that they don't really need to squat all the way down unless they want to power lift. So what's the use? Is there any benefit to squatting lower than parallel? Should you fire your trainer or maybe just invest in some Maps Prime Pro? That's right. Mm. Uh, Maps Prime Pro can be found at mindpumpmedia.com. The next question was, this individual has given themselves an egg intolerance by eating a shit ton of eggs now the question is, what's the likelihood that they'll have a similar reaction to another food that they eat frequently? Now, wasn't this one of the guys I saw? I remember tagging you guys. There's a guy that was going through answering all the mind pump questions. He was. He answered this and one And I wrong. feel like you picked this question intentionally just to make sure our audience knows what's up. Yeah, what's up, buddy? The egg gobbler. <laughs> I feel like you did that on purpose. Trying right to out-knowledge me. Right. I think it's important <laughs> that if there's not a oh, mind pump you. in somebody's name and they're answering questions on a mind pump page, be careful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it worked for me. question answered. Right, right. Proceed with caution. The next question was, if we could completely change the fitness, health, and wellness industry, like if we could control it and change it, what would that look like to each of us? Hmm. And finally... Thoughts on divorce and best practices to assist someone in processing the entire experience and moving past it. We get a little deep on that particular part of this episode. Also, this month, you get the Intuitive Nutrition Guide and the Fasting Guide for free if you enroll Boom, in shakalaka bundle. Now, bundles are where we take multiple math programs, put them together, and discount them like 30% off. Uh, for example, the Super Bundle is a year of exercise programming. It's multiple MAPS programs like MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, MAPS Aesthetic, MAPS Prime, MAPS Anywhere. It's all in that Super Bundle, but we have other bundles. Enroll in any bundle, get the Intuitive Guide and the uh, Fasting Guide absolutely for free. You can get all of this at mindpumpmedia.com. T-shirt time! And it's T-shirt time. Oh, yeah. 14 reviews, four shirts going out. 
First up, Bishop, 1441, Daniel, 040498, Sodak Jene, Ethan Herrera, CPT. All of you are winners. Send the name I just read to iTunes at mindpumpmedia.com. Send your shirt size, your shipping address, and we'll get that right out to you. What do you guys think about our new our new sponsor, our new company we're working with? Uh, Roman. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm excited to sign up and try everything out. I yeah. mean, uh, but are you really excited? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll find out how excited I'm going to be. Taylor is, uh, Taylor had been working on it for some time. He had showed me everything. I kind of dug through their stuff. I'm like, okay, I'm interested in this, especially with what I'm going through I, right now. I, here's why I like this company. It's So what Roman is, Roman uh, provides erectile dysfunction uh, medications like, uh, like, Vi- like, you know, generic Viagra, generic Cialis and, and others. But the reason why I like them is they they eliminate a lot of the the middleman or the the rigmarole that you had to do before, where you'd have to go to a doctor, you have to you know you have to do that whole process. This is all done. I mean, as long as you've seen a doctor over the last five years, right? You just do it all online. You know how much the the visit dude, is online? Everything online, dude. Everything's Super online. Discreet. Fifteen dollars. It's a fifteen dollar doctor visit, which you get mm. refunded if they don't if you don't qualify for a prescription. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so you have nothing to lose. You go on there, you do the, you set up the appointment or whatever. It's an appointment with a doctor online, costs fifteen bucks, and then if you if you're approved, I think it's like super fast shipping, right, Doug? Is it like next day or something like that, or a couple days? I don't know. Well, anyway. what's cool about this was I was talking to Taylor's been talking to them for some time, and I, when he first started talking to them, they wanted to do something. I told him, I'm not yet right now, and the reason why is because. I wanted to do everything I can possibly naturally. I wanted to be consistent that way for a while. Are you gonna try getting on? Yeah. Well, what I want to, I want to get a prescription so I have it for the times when I absolutely feel like okay, here's the deal. Like, I have the, I can tell already. Like, I'm not a hundred percent back to my myself, right? And I know we have our our test that we're gonna take, and we'll find out exactly. So people mm-hmm. that are wondering exactly where my levels are, we'll get to that eventually. But I can tell, I can feel where my libido is at. And I have, I seem to have like, if, a, if it's a really good week, like maybe when we're not traveling and flying, I'm getting, I got four workouts, workouts in the week, like my diet's dialed in, like I feel pretty good. You know, I feel pretty mm-hmm. normal. But I've also noticed just in the last few weeks that, you know, when we were traveling late nights, diet's not as dialed, missing workouts, mm-hmm. I can already, I can feel the libido like dip. So it would be nice for me to have like on hand like a prescription that when I come home and I haven't seen my girl for like seven days and she mm-hmm. absolutely wants to make sure that she gets some, I want to I want to be able to say, okay, if I need to tap into this, like right. I'm going to tap into it. Ideally, I'm always going to go Whole Foods and all the all do all the things that I need to do first. But I mean, let's be real. There's times where we fly in at 10 o'clock at night and going to the gym and organizing the diet already that fast. Like, no, it'd be nice if I had this as an option for me. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay. This is one of those things, you know, like it's an indication something's off, right? With yeah. Your health. So that's, I mean, that's definitely something. This is like a, not the answer for everything, but this is something like Adam's saying in certain scenarios, if this is an issue, well, you know, well, so it help with, with the bedroom. Here's what's important. So erectile dysfunction can indicate that you might have something wrong with your health, like, you know, uh, like you have high blood pressure or, or poor cardiovascular health. Also, many times, many times, it's an indication of anxiety and stress. And here's what happens with uh, a lot of these cases is that a guy will have erectile dysfunction for whatever reason. Let's say he's stressed. Let's say he just got out of a long relationship. He's getting in a new one. Let's say you know it's a new girl or work is stressful or whatever. He can't perform. Now that 
performance anxiety starts to feed into more performance anxiety. And so what they found is many times men will take erectile dysfunction uh, medications so that they can build up their confidence and feel okay, and then they go off of them. No, that's a hundred. I could see myself. I let me tell you, like the and this is Taylor and I went back and forth discussing this because I was like, you know, the only way I would be okay with something like this is if it's something that I would I've been exploring myself. Like mm-hmm. it, it's been something that I'm like, I can tell that when that happens, and then what it leads to too is my girl is like bummed, and then that, then when she's bummed, then we have this long, big old deep talk, and it's me explaining like. Listen, hon, Which then makes it worse. Right. Like, then, again. Exactly. Then it makes it time. worse. It takes it out of the mood, too. So that's even harder for that yeah. to happen. You know, no yeah, pun intended. Because then you're going into the next session or whatever, and you're like, oh, my God, what if you know, what, what if this happens again? I'm stressed out. And then, of course, that contributes to the whole problem. So it's one of those things where it, it, you know, it, can, it can really... And the way these, these medications work is they inhibit an enzyme that uh, breaks down nitric oxide. So Because these drugs, like Viagra, for example, was created uh, to uh, combat uh, high blood pressure. Because it lowers blood pressure through vasodilation, through opening the blood vessels and increasing blood flow, and of course they noticed the side effect of, you know, more erections. And uh, you know the brilliant <laughs> makers of Viagra were like, instead of trying to lower people's like, blood pressure, hmm, let's do this because yeah. it's way more. It's not something a very, else is happening here. Yeah, it's not a super good blood pressure medication, but it gives people erections and it's now. What's safe. your now? I've talked like again. I've been talking to Taylor for quite some time about all this stuff and sharing this with him, but I haven't had a chance to talk too much with you about this. Like, what is your take on on something like this? Like, obviously, I don't think it's something that would be ideal to be taking all the time. I mean, what? I think it depends what are, on the, what are the detriments. It, like, it depends on the situation. So. Um, the medications are, and of course, you know, for as long as they've been around, they, they seem to be relatively safe. Now, there are, you know, I'm not a doctor, uh, so I want to make that clear, but there are some potential dangers if you have, you can have like all of a sudden real low blood pressure, which can cause fainting or whatever. If you have poor cardiovascular health, probably not a good idea uh, to take the medication. So it is prescription. You do want to make sure you get cleared before you take any of these things, but... Well, you can do that all virtually here. Yeah. That's what's cool about this. Yeah, as long as you've seen a a doctor in person over the last five years and you've been cleared of any major health stuff, then the online uh, visit is fine. If you haven't seen a doctor in five years, then I think they'll require you to go see a doctor. Mm -hmm. But, you know, most people have seen a doctor over the last five years. Um, But uh, here's the other thing, too. Sex is a very important part of health. So if you're in a relationship or you're in a situation where erectile dysfunction is, is degrading your quality of life, um, then it may be worth it to do something like, look, it's, it's no different. It's actually much safer, but it's kind of similar to other medications. Like let's say you're, let's say you're very depressed and you know, you're just in a hole and you feel like you can't get out of that hole. Well, an antidepressant may give you enough energy, make you make, may make you feel good enough to get yourself out to do the things that'll make you feel better. So with erectile dysfunction, medications like this may give you the confidence to then no longer have anxiety for this particular issue or problem or whatever. And then later on you can you don't necessarily need to take it. So that's this that's the that's the thing. It is definitely a, a, a health situation. I know people joke about it or whatever. Get out of a hole and get into a hole. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks wow, Justin. they're gonna love that yeah. one. Thank you. <laughs> Justin. Hey, this is mind pump. 
Yeah, hey, <laughs> switching gears really quick here. Did you guys see what's going on with uh, Chuck Liddell and fucking uh, Tito Ortiz? Oh, my God. Are they going to fight? Bro, you guys this, haven't this been- This makes me so sad. Tell me you have not been paying attention to this. Are you serious? You told no, us about yeah, You, you, told you us mentioned about it. it, and I yeah. haven't followed up on it. So, uh, no, I have been. I've been diving through it like crazy because I'm just blown away. Chuck Liddell is 49, bro. Hmm. Forty nine. Fucking- I mean, let's be honest though. Forty at forty nine, he probably kicked the shit out of most people. Well, of course, but, but you don't have no business going to professional fight. But for a fighter, that's I mean, so that's weathered. So yeah, at, yeah. at first, I was like, "This is really weird." So I had to. I went digging. So I went digging through all kinds of stuff. I've been like all in this shit for like the last weekend, right? So here's the, here's all the rumors. So before <laughs> before. Chuck Liddell trained fighting look serious. at his, look like at his quote. Fat Chuck Liddell's trainer said this. Fighting Tito Ortiz again is like banging a fat chick. You don't want to keep doing it. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's an epic it's quote This is just right shit there. talk. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to raise money, dude. They're going to uh, raise money doing that. So Okay, so here's what's going on, right? So I found out that Chuck had worked out this deal with Dana White and the uh, original owners of UFC when they sold in 2016, so part of this deal, they had, they made this sweet deal. Chuck was like one of the first big names for UFC. And so Dana Wyatt had made this kind of like, you know, backdoor deal with him. Like, hey, we're going to forever take care of you yeah. for, for being like the face of the UFC early on. So he's been on cruise control for, I mean, he's been retired for 10 years mm-hmm. and they've been paying him. So he's been still making royalties. I don't know exactly how much or what like that, but enough to pay for his mansion and his Ferrari and whatever toys and things Mm -hmm. that he does. And so he's been living off these royalties. Well, when they sold in 2016, they said, sorry, dude, that's, there's nothing, there's no contract deal, this or that. Like we're not, we're not honoring any of this shit they've been paying for a long time. So rumor has it the last two years, Chuck's been struggling financially. And again, this is rumors I'm just spreading. I don't know any facts or anything like that, but this is what everything that I've been diving through and what I've read and what I've heard on other podcasts that are talking about this. And so that's part of the motivation behind why he's want to do it. Now, the irony in all this is Oscar De La Hoya, it's it's Golden Boy Productions that is that they're speaking to. Hmm. Now the other to room, put the fight together to put the fight together because Vegas and UFC and Dana they don't want, do they don't want nothing to do with yeah. it. They're like Bellator and all that. No one, yeah, yeah. They don't, no one wants anything to do with this. They're yeah. just uh, no thanks, no thanks. And so I was listening to Chell Sonnen talk about this, and he was talking shit about how dumb Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz are because they think or he thinks that. This is all a ploy by Golden Boy to kind of give a little dig back to MMA MMA for getting Mm. into their business because Dana White gets jumps into to the in the boxing world and puts on the the biggest fucking fight ever Mm -hmm. with Mayweather and um, McGregor. Right, and so this is Golden Boy being like, "You stay out of my business, I'll stay out of yours." And so he's kind of fucking with them by having these talks. And the reason why. Chael Sonnen thinks it's all bullshit because hmm. these guys are out promoting a fight that doesn't even really le- legitimately exist yet. There's hmm. no one that has signed with them production-wise. They don't have a location. And he's like, so what you're seeing right now is such bullshit because you would never promote a fight like this. You would never promote a fight until it's on. Things until, are locked in. Until, yeah. yeah, until you have an event, until you can sell tickets because right now there's lots of hype. Everyone's going to be talking about it. There's shit. There's all kinds mm-hmm. of people speculating how stupid it is, how awesome it would be, or I would still watch it. So this is when you would want ticket sales and a date already locked in and they don't even have that. Mm-hmm. So what he thinks is that 
uh, Oscar De La Hoya is manipulating these two idiots and getting them to talk on all their social media platforms to. Well, you know, Tito, Tito's not uh, the he's not the dumbest business guy. Tito's actually here's the thing with fighters, by the way. Fighters typically, I've been this throughout history have been terrible business people. Terrible, like the the stereotype of the old retired heavyweight champion boxer who's now broke and you know running a, a bar is that i mean there's a lot of truth to that and this is you see this a lot with professional athletes who they make all this money but they don't know how to manage it what to do with it and so you, you ask yourself like where like mike tyson didn't he go bankrupt at some point You're like what'd you do with all those hundreds of millions of dollars right too many I, tigers i feel terrible for these guys because First off, from what I've read, Chuck Liddell isn't his old self. Mainly, not just because he's old, but because he got banged around a lot. Both yeah. of them have. Yeah. And fighters don't age very well. You know, when you get blasted in the head like that, you know, over and over again for years or a decade. Because I know Chuck Liddell fought for a long time. He didn't just fight in the UFC. He fought before the UFC. Mm-hmm. He's been get, he's been getting blasted for a while. Yeah, just in training, just taking all those shots. I yeah, mean, that, dude. That shit adds up. Yeah, man. you guys know the term punch drunk, yep. right? Yeah. It's the CTE. It's, that's what it is. But, yeah. it, you know, and, and they, they start slurring and it just doesn't look good. You know, I, I don't think, and I think one of the reasons why these organizations don't want to take them on is because they don't want to bring to light how sad, how terrible yeah. it is. Well, it just looks bad. I mean, it's like it, 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 it shines a light on like how little they do for their fighters as far as like having them set up for retirement, having like a plan, like, you know, like networking and like getting them connected to the right people for investments and things like that. It's like they're just behind. They're behind like, the all fuck? the other major sports. Like you, you look at like the NFL and like the NFL has, I think it's a, a week long or a two week like course, like when you get into the NFL. Yeah. That these guys go through to like warn them of like, listen, there's going to be women that are going to try and sleep with you. To oh, have- they do all that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah they, they, ha- they have classes in there. They've right? had yeah. to. I mean, yeah. through all the pushback that's happened. For, I mean, because the I, I can't remember the statistics that I, I read on this, but it's crazy the amount of professional athletes like in the NFL, NBA and, and sports like this that end up going broke. Yeah, many many of them are twenty years. I mean, I know how how much I wowed out as a twenty five year old, twenty three year old that was making okay. Money. Yeah. Like when you compare my money compared to what these guys are making, like I wasn't making anything. But but for me, it was a lot of money that I was yeah. used to, and I remember how much I wowed. I couldn't imagine if I was making. Dude, it's millions. not. And we're talking about MMA. Like that's the least paid sport. You know, in terms of like what they do and yep. like how popular they are. Like they get paid dog shit and dangerous and yeah. extremely dangerous. I, we, we, what people don't realize is you're this young kid. You go from broke to top of the world. You're making all this money. People are throwing themselves at you. Women are all over the place. Drugs are being given to you. Like you can, everybody thinks you're the coolest person in the world, and it's a very short window. Yeah. It's not a long window. How long do you think you have at that in, in that particular you know space or whatever? Five years, eight years, and so then you go from king to nothing very, very quickly. And what you're left with is maybe brain damage. You have money, don't know how to manage it. Nobody really cares about you anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, you're kind of has been. If you're a warrior, here's the other thing too. If you identify with being a warrior, at some point you're no longer a warrior anymore. And you got to kind of deal with that. So I feel for these people. I know. You know, I feel I, for yeah. that. Could well, you imagine that climb sad, and that man. descent? Yeah. Very, very difficult. Well, I think that's what happens to some of these guys is, you know, they're now 
approaching their mid 40s or whatever and it's like who am i mm -hmm. you know if i'm not this fighter who mm -hmm. fights everybody and punks you know and go and talk shit and gets into the ring and makes his hundred thousands of dollars like mm -hmm. who am i and they and, still fight within them right, right and they right. want to prove you know no i can still fuck yeah. you know right. people up and it's a tough one now i mean to be the, the other side of it too is of course is um, and this is something that is a it's kind of a male thing is we tend to respect the old warriors quite a, quite a bit the mm -hmm. old you know there's always that level of respect like you guys ever meet an old pro wrestler and i say old i say in their 50s and 60s you ever meet one of them they're all broken yeah you know i, I forgot where i was it was an it was a pro wrestler he was like 60 i mean he had a cane could barely move and but you know every guy in that room was just like you know he's the man like you know he he, he basically sacrificed himself for this thing you know right. for the sport and he, he demonstrated so there's that side They're of like it gladiators too, but, yeah yeah but I, I feel bad like you know and i heard i heard chuck isn't 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 all totally with it i forgot who i was listening to i watched him do a full interview is he okay well he's he's the same chuck that he's always been oh so he doesn't seem different yeah he didn't seem different to me okay, but he's okay. never seemed like the, the right. sharpest tool in the shed in the first place you know mm -hmm. what i'm saying he doesn't come off that way so like when you listen he just did it he did an interview with um fuck what's that guy's name he announced it like this so i watched a full hour interview for him uh talking about this fight i watched a full one on tito i watched uh chel sonnen uh talk about it in multiple podcasts of his read some articles on it, watched Dana White comment on it. Mm -hmm. So I've consumed a bunch of information regarding like this whole thing because I was really fascinated by mm -hmm. are these fucking guys going to really get together and fight at the end, you know, 40-something, 40 49 years old. I think that's just... Re and Chuck's been out for 10 years. Now, Tito's only been out for a year. Yeah. Tito fought a year and a half ago. Yeah. Who did he fight? I don't know. He was fighting in Bellator. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, I was going to say Chael was like still trying to make it work for a while too. So it's interesting that he, you know... Give him shit for it. You know what? I after diving into this, I've actually started listening to some of Chael's stuff. We got to get him on the show. Chael, I, I, I love, love Chael. how he talked. Yeah. We were we were in we He's were a great shit. We talker. were in conversation with him about a year and a half ago. Too, I remember that we were small, and I just haven't reached. I just it fell to the side. Bro, I love go, him. Yeah, I'm gonna reach out again to him because I really I really like his commentary, dude. He's he's fucking funny. Dude. He's and hilarious. He's, he's actually really intelligent. He is. He is. He's yeah. hilarious yeah. and he's very smart. Yeah, he's really smart. Yeah, dude. yeah I was list, I was listening to him like break down the business side and how people are so stupid to even think that this is anything serious and like yeah. he, he, the way he laid it out i was like oh fuck i didn't even know that mm -hmm. did you know i didn't know this that he brought he brought up too is that um oscar de la hoya has already made a run at trying to do something in the usc before and it's failed really he was, he was behind affliction when affliction started oh. when they were trying to when not the shirts but when affliction started their own uh, MMA, company. mma do you yeah. remember that little yeah. short window when they were trying to pull yeah. from the mm -hmm. usc yes and it fell flat on its face that he was behind all that. Hmm. And so that's kind of the deal is like the whole idea is that Oscar is kind of poking back at Dana over all this. And Dana's probably like, I don't give a shit. Yeah, like whatever. you've already tried to get into yeah. our space <laughs> and I've already proven that I can get into your space mm -hmm. and throw the biggest fight of the fucking year. You know what I'm saying? So I wish there was a league, hmm. there was an organization for just grappling, but you know, in a way where they made some rules to make it a little bit more exciting. I think that would be really cool, and I think it would be a cool thing for. Are they trying that with Metamoris? or? <laughs> yeah, you know, here's the thing with jujitsu. It'll never is, work. It's so yeah. technical. It'll be, exactly. It'll it's, never. It'll never work because even the like it's right now, and I know you probably get annoyed by this, and I do too because I appreciate the whole fight game and all of MMA. 
but you have to have an appreciation for what happens on the ground to enjoy that part of the, the game. Because pro- when you're in the arena, dudes will boo when people are down on the ground I know. doing jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Well, Still, in America, yeah. in Japan, in Brazil, oh, yeah, right, they don't. Because right, they have right. a long pedigree of, of grappling right, right, I can see or that. submission fighting. Here's the thing. If you want to make a grappling tournament popular in America, you have to create rules that prevent jumping into the guard, scooting on your butt, laying yeah. on your back for a yeah. long time. And you have to... You have to be able to score high points for big throws because mm-hmm. the most exciting part of grappling in for Americans is a fucking throw, like a big ass throw. So right. give them like big points for that. Hit the ground. You know they stay on the ground for so long. If it looks like they're stalling, stand them up and and go for the throw again. Yeah. And if you jump guard, you're you're well. You're isn't out. that isn't that what um what's his face that's connected to on it tried to do by creating his own like Eddie Bravo? Yeah, Eddie Bravo. See, but that, here's the problem: like jujitsu ju- ju- purists don't like that because ju- and I know this. Like I, I get this because I did jujitsu for a long time. A jujitsu purist is like, look, just let the fight go. Whoever wins wins, and and there's no no time limit, and it's just pure submission. And I get that. I get that. And that's I enjoy that type of fighting myself. I just don't. It's just no spectators want to watch it. Yeah. The throws are what's exciting. So you have to ask yourself. You have to ask yourself as someone who's into jujitsu. Are you? Do you care about the sport progressing and growing and being bigger and actually making money doing this, or do you just love the game and you love to play? I want the way mm-hmm. I look at it is this: if you're a if you train if you're a wrestler, okay. Let's say you're because America doesn't have a, a huge uh, tradition of submission fighting. I mean, we have catch wrestling back in the day, but it wasn't like this huge national thing. Um, you know, judo was eh, you know kind of popular, but not massive. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't like it judo is the closest to that, right? Because you get a lot of the hip toss. Yeah, and- but it's not... Uh, it, yeah, it's judo, judo and jiu-jitsu came from... And Brazilian jiu-jitsu came from the same source. Yeah. Judo's just got its own rules to that made it kind of tournament style or whatever, but there's not a large like uh, culture and tradition behind that in, in America. The, the, the closest we have is American uh, collegiate wrestling or Greco-Roman wrestling. Yeah. But if you're a, let's say you're a wrestler, let's say you're a collegiate wrestler and you're all American, one of the best in the world. After that, you're done. After college, like, where do you go? Olympics and then you're done. Mm-hmm. So I would love to see a league where wrestlers, grapplers, jujitsu guys, judo guys, they could enter and it's submission win, high points for a throw. You can't jump guard. You can't scoot on your butt. You only stay on the ground for a certain period of time, and, and then the ref has to pop you up just to make it exciting. Mm. And I know it's not pure grappling. I know the jiu-jitsu people listening right now are like, oh. Yeah. But let me tell you, if you create a big league that's making a lot of money, it'll grow all those other sports. You know what I mean? It'll grow the sports of uh, of grappling. It's not a bad thing, and that's that's how you make it exciting. Otherwise, because I wa- even I watch. You know what it reminds me? It's like when we when we dabbled in the whole kettlebell sport for a minute because we were like, this is really cool, and we thought it was cool for a minute, but it's just not a very spectator friendly sport. Mm, no, it's, yeah. it's 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 very the people who are in it love it just like jujitsu, and right. so it's always gonna have that strong base. But for the average person, you know, the average person walking in and watching a, a competition, they're, they're like, "What's going on?" Yeah, you know, I don't know what I don't know what's happening. You, you they understand. We have a pedigree of boxing in America, so people understand jabs and straights and knock someone out, and they they get that. They well, get you don't even well, yeah, but you don't even need to be a a fan of the sport to really understand what's happening in a boxing match. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying like one guy's hitting the other ah, guy. Don't it's hit very me obvious. or hit me. Yeah. yeah, when he is or is not, and it's basically. But we'll work. even put up with. Uh, bo- technical boxing more than we would with technical wrestling. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. 
if if boxers are, are boxing technically, Americans understand that or appreciate that more well, than I that. don't know. I don't know if I fully agree with that. I mean, look how many people mm. hate Mayweather because he's one of arguably the greatest technical fighter ever yeah. to fight. And yeah, but he lost hate. a lot of favor when MMA came out because it was so fucking boring after a while, after like Lennox Lewis and everybody else were coming out and like, you know, just technical boxing was taken over. Yeah, but you still, still, there's a, people understand it more. There's a much bigger audience for it. Well, like, yeah. Technical grappling, <laughs> let me tell you something, people will be like, the fuck's going on right now? Right. Yeah, Unless yeah, you're in yeah, jiu-jitsu, yeah. And you have when, no idea. And especially no idea. when you're in at you're the right. fight, like, because I've sat all over at a UFC fight, so I've sat really close, far away, and like mid, and it's a really shitty thing to watch live. Mm-hmm. It really is. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, sure, the energy in the place is cool, but when you talk about like my some of my least favorite sports to watch live, well, MMA is for sure. You need yeah. somebody like a Joe Rogan or something like that's breaking down step by step. Yeah. Or, right. Oh, he's setting him up for or this. Or you need and, that you that know, camera like, angle that, that is just right, so I can see where he's grabbing him and holding him, or what he's setting mm-hmm. up. Like you're, if you're in the audience, I don't care if you're fucking on the cage. You're still looking through a cage, and you're on one side of it. If they're on the other side on the ground, mm-hmm. yeah, you have no idea what's going on, on the other side. So right. what's dope about watching that on TV is they have camera angles from everywhere so at all times i can see yeah. 360 around this athlete that all the little details so it makes me enjoy yeah. the fight man it's live it's like you know what you guys would yeah, like it is tough. you know it's a good sport to fun sport sport to watch is combat uh sambo combat combat sambo similar to mma but they score a lot of points for throws hmm. um so, and they wear a gi but they also have uh the gloves on yeah so you can still punch and kick but once you grab you're not allowed to punch anymore and kick and then they do throws and stuff. Dude, i love the the kickboxing tournaments i don't know why that hasn't taken off like here in the states but the, i mean they've tried k1 a little bit like they've introduced yeah. it but i think k1 it's is the, awesome it's the culture dude we don't yeah. have a large long pedigree of of that kind of stuff you well know and I mean? now that we have we have ufc which arguably is yeah. is the be- best of all the worlds right yeah, 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 you yeah. you can be a k1 guy you can be a sambo guy you can and you can enter in the ufc yeah. and it'd be well, so just I, the mix of different variables you know that makes it even that's what they had to they had, they had to yeah. put new rules in to make MMA popular in America because MMA existed in, in, in Brazil and Japan for a long fucking time. It's called Vale Tudo in, in Brazil. Oh, it was too brutal. And in first. Japan, there were no gloves. Yeah, it, was, it was too you brutal, know, dude. It, yeah, they had to make rules. I uh, watched it as a kid when it was all underground. When no one, right. yeah, when it was, you had to get the cassettes. <laughs> you guys, 300 pound guy versus, you know, 100. So great. Did you guys ever pounds. watch uh, Gracie? Gracie in action, the old Gracie in yes, action videos. Dude. Do you, know, uh, you remember those? Yeah, yeah, dude. Oh, those are good. Dude. It was so fun watching him because he would he would take on guys that had fifty pounds on him, dude, and he would just he would he would tie them up <laughs> yeah, like they were children. Lock them up. Dude. Yeah. It used to be awesome. <laughs> no, I used yeah. to love watching yeah, that. Yeah, that was great. Man. Anyway, so uh, this weekend, what'd you guys do? We didn't we didn't we didn't really talk too much yesterday about because we got back. <laughs> I from know our we trip. were recovering, yeah, from being up in Seattle and going on our trip yeah. and everything. So. I had um, uh, my daughter's uh, communion. On, uh, That's on right. Sunday. Yeah. The, so, so is that ch- like a foreshadowing, like completely of like like her wedding day? Like well, seeing dude, her like that. Well, that? yeah. First off, let me tell you, man, I get emotional <laughs> with that kind of shit. <laughs> seeing bet, my dude, seeing my little girl in a white dress, you know, walking over there and just being all sweet and whatever. It just, I was, I just, it destroyed me. I was, I was. But here's here's the thing, though. Here's the thing about the whole event that I want to tell you guys about. This was the first, the first family party that we've done. Where my ex-wife's family was there, her whole family, aunts, uncles, and cousins, and my family was all there, aunts, uncles, and cousins, (laughs) right? So both sides of the family got together first time since the divorce. 
where everybody got together. That is crazy. So we threw it at, at, a, uh, at a restaurant uh, in San Jose, the Doppio Zero, um, really good uh, Italian restaurant in, in uh, I think it's Cupertino. And we had everybody there, and uh, my ex-wife had her boyfriend. I had Jessica there. So her family hadn't met Jessica. My family hadn't met her her boyfriend. Mm. And it was fucking great. Go? Everybody was cool. You know, I tell you what, I'm going to write a book on divorce at some point. I swear to God, not because <laughs> not because I'm I'm going to tell people how to do it, but because it's no, that's I mean that's a it's, pretty like substantial thing that happened. Well, my aunt came up to me during the party, and she's been divorced now for 20 years. There's probably some good books on divorce. Yeah, she so she's been divorced for about 20 years. And she's like, I'm. She's like, I'm so amazed at how you guys are able to do this together. She goes, me and my ex still barely talk to each other and can't stand each other and don't work together. And I, I couldn't imagine doing something like this. The fact that you guys can do this for your kids and you know, me and my ex wife grabbed a drink together. I was drinking with her boyfriend. She was hanging out with you know with with Jessica. We were the families were talking. Everybody was hugging, having a great time. And the best part is my kids get to see all that. You know what I mean? My kids get to, they, they, they know mom and dad aren't together, but they also know that everybody's still together. You know, right. there's no animosity. How awesome is it when he becomes friends with you and he calls and like vents to you all the time? God damn. <laughs> you're like, like, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> actually, just, just do this, bro. Watch actually, every time on her. Do this middle <laughs> maneuver. <laughs> Dude. So, <laughs> oh my God. No, I won't. You know what I'll say to him? I'll be, you you know, set him up. No, like, I'll say yeah, 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 yeah. You sabotage me, bro. Yeah, yeah, bro, yeah, I got yeah. no advice for you. Stick your tongue in her ear. Yeah, I'll be like, oh, I'll be like oh, listen, God. I got no advice for you, dude. You're fucked. Yeah. Yeah, you're like I figured my Such way out Rubik's of that cube, one, bro. Good no, luck. Yeah. no, dude. So her boyfriend comes up to me, and you know he's a nice guy. He's a really nice guy. So no, I'm not going to say anything bad about the guy, but I, you know he wants to make conversation with me, and he's probably feels awkward, obviously. And so he comes up to me. He wants to talk about working out. So we're talking about exercises. Like, yeah, he goes, I've been starting this new uh, this new fitness program. It's really really good. And he goes, <laughs> it's and, made by shreds. No, no, no. <laughs> he goes, I've been following this fitness yeah. He goes, I've, it's uh, uh, Mike Matthews. Do you, do you have you heard of Mike Matthews? Uh, uh, are you serious? I swear to God, oh, I swear on my Mike, life. Come on. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I'm like, I'm like Mike. I'm like, yeah, he's a good friend of mine. He's like, he is. He's like, I'm like, yeah, dude. I'm like, yeah, he's a good workout program. I'm like, you know, you can do maps if you want, and yeah. I'll hook you up or whatever. So he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm interested. Bro, if I put him on maps and he starts working out and getting built oh and telling oh my, my ex, God. that's going to be so funny, bro. <laughs> I'm following your, your ex's wow. program. How wow. funny is that that he's doing Mike Matthews stuff? He is, yeah, which is a good program. Shout out to our boy, for sure. Yeah, that's so, awesome. But it was, a, it, was, um, it, was, it was really cool, man. Everybody had a good time and the kids had a great time. And fuck, man, I feel so... Divorce is one of the, it's definitely the most, the darkest time of my life by far, by absolute far. I'm not over it. It's still very difficult to deal with sometimes, but the way that we've been able to put all that stuff, because here's what happens when you get divorced from someone that's, it's because you don't want to fucking be with them. Obviously you don't like them. You just don't, you don't want to be around them. And that is hard. That is a hard thing for your ego to deal with when you then also have to work with them because you have kids with them. They're basically in your life forever. My ex-wife and me are always going to be connected because we have two children together. So no matter what our differences were, no matter how bad it was or whatever, this is someone that I have to make the decision. I'm going to have to, I want to make this relationship as good as possible because, you know, we have to work together. You have to put a lot of shit aside to do that. It requires Mm -hmm. some serious maturity from both people. And so, I mean, I want to commend her because 
she's also been able to do the same thing. I mean, you, you know, imagine seeing your ex with another girl, another woman who's you know like Jessica. <clears throat> Jessica's a she's a stunning young lady. That would that would invoke some serious, you know, insecurities in anybody. Um, and me seeing her with another person, even though I don't want to be with her, you see the other guy and you think you might you might think to yourself you try to compare or whatever and you know and you th- remember all the animosity and resentment and all that shit. You just got to put that aside and just you know remember the uh, what's your what's your line, Adam? Uh, in, uh, intended outcome or desired outcome? Yeah, desired outcome. Yeah, so so it worked out. That's really cool. Yeah, it did. We, we hung out in uh, Seattle. We stayed we stayed an extra uh, well stayed the rest of the day and flew in back at like 9 p.m. at night, I think. Did you guys do anything? Yeah. Go yeah. sightseeing. Well, I, I really wanted to be home, but I could tell that Katrina and Taylor wanted to stay. And so that kind of trumped my feelings. And what I mean by that is I just, I, I felt it was uh, a good idea for me to kind of do something for them after yeah. after everything that they had done to put it. Because they're responsible for a lot of the, that event. The oh, whole, they orchestrated the whole thing. Yeah, the whole tour thing is is really Taylor's baby and, and with the assistance of Katrina and help from her too. So, you know, I was like, yeah, it's I could saw the weather was going to be good. And so we, and there was a flight going out really late and I thought, oh, we'll just, we'll hang around here and we'll, we'll go, go shopping and eat and kind of spend the day with him. So I had a really good day with him. We walked, we walked the whole city, um, all over the place and shopped for a little while. We ate at three different restaurants and, you know, just kind of hung out and kind of mm. reflected on the whole event. And it how was it a went. great event. It was, man. it was, man. It really was. I was really, I was happy with every single one of them too. And, and you know, it was again thinking about Taylor. I mean, I know he was so stressed going into each one on yeah. like how you, it was, you could tell, man. Yeah, he was really stressing on how it was going to turn out, and he put a lot of pressure on himself. And I, I think he fucking hit it out the park. He did. Man. He did a good job. Yeah, I thought it was. He did a good job. The relationships that we've now built with the companies like Viore and Mir and doses i couldn't be happier mm-hmm. i mean god we all got a chance this we had been courting these these companies for quite some time now but to hang out with all the ceos and then to cool us, people right for us to bond on that level it's like all all people i would hang out with yeah, yeah. if i didn't work yeah, with them yeah, no i'm already texting back and forth with both jeremy and brian via you know like they're definitely our people and yep. guys that we would hang out with yep. outside of business that I that really mm-hmm. excites me about the companies yeah. and going forward. It is really cool to yeah. meet, you know, mind pump listeners in person. Uh, it's just it's incredible to meet them because you, now you can put a face to you know the people listening to what you're doing. Mm-hmm. It puts a different responsibility on me personally when I meet them and they tell me when you said this this helped this helped me out or mm-hmm. this made an impact here or whatever. It puts a different responsibility, a different kind of. It's very it's extremely humbling it's extremely yeah. humbling to be you know to be put in that position in that, that position my favorite part though was after the event when we all went to the bar afterwards with all the with all the other listeners and, and had some uh, drinks and yeah, stuff yeah. Uh, yeah. and that, I, br- I brought you guys a nice <coughs> double shot of jack how'd you like that one no, the night changed after that i saw, oh. I saw adam's face <laughs> when i had it of the shot so i was gonna i was thinking about getting a shot right for everybody because i'm like this would be fun and nobody expects me to do that right so i'm like yeah, i'm gonna get yeah. the fucking you know i'm gonna get this, this thing going so I told Katrina, I'm like, you think Adam will, will drink this if I get him a shot? And she's like, he he won't say no if you say it in front of everybody. So like, <laughs> <laughs> she's like, go get Sabotage. it and say it for everybody. He'll have to do it. Yeah. So I did. The look on your face. Oh, dude, I was giving you like the daggers, yeah, dude. You're like, like you motherfucker. Yeah, I'm like, do you not? Can Step you not tell I'm drunk? Or I mean, I had while we were talking up there at Mirror. Uh. I mean, I had three or four of their beers that are seven percent alcohol. So, and I'm not a drinker. So, I mean, that's like 
That's like eight Coors Lights, dude. Eight Coors Lights <laughs> would fuck me up right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a lot. So I was already tossed when we went out. And then I think we got the Moscow Mules while we went out. So that's a lot for me, you know, to be drinking that much. And then you come out with a double shot. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, dude, you're just going to put me over. I, now, I tell now you, you what. you felt okay, though. I'll tell you what. Because I took care of you, dude. Yes, dude. I'm I'm not going to lie. The, the charcoal probiotic ashwagandha fucking concoction that you've got us on right now <laughs> is... And Katrina's like, you know, you better stop with that shit because you, you keep drinking lately. I haven't seen right. you drink this much in our Dude, seven like, years we've been together. It lets you drink like you're 20. I, <laughs> I woke that's up. That's not good. You know what I'm saying? Not, yeah. I woke up and You're just I, tired, but no headache. Yes, no, that's exactly. I woke up um, and I was just tired. I was tired. I could have laid in bed probably for the or to the good part of the late morning. But I did not. And after I ate and had some water, I actually felt great. We Isn't walked. We walked the whole city. Shopped all day. You did the Organifi uh, probiotics, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That That's the thing, man. You do the the, the probiotic. So the, the, here's the protocol. The protocol is you go uh, one or two capsules of activated charcoal as you start drinking, and then if you keep drinking throughout the night, you'll throw in one or two, you know, throughout the night in between. So if you have like a few drinks, take another one or whatever. But then at the end of the night, before you go to bed. Take your probiotics so mm-hmm. you can balance out your gut microbiome and, and prevent yourself. Because part of the, I think a big part of the reason why drinking makes you feel so shitty is it fucks up your stomach. Yep. You know what I mean? Well, for me, I know that's what it is. Like, mm-hmm. I've never, like, alcohol. Remember when I told you, when you introduced me to a Moscow mule, that's the only thing that's even got me to drink since then because it's like the ginger. Yeah, the ginger at least makes my stomach feel okay. Otherwise, if I just sit there and drink beers. Yeah. Oh, dude, my stomach just feels tore up mm-hmm. after a couple, mm-hmm. man. I don't feel good at all. But ever since you introduced the the charcoal and the probiotic recipe, dude, I'm like, oh, dude, this weekend I was just trying to like reset and like calm and you know get some sleep and catch up. And so I was like making myself like some ginger tea and like just taking some of the turmeric, you know, that that our grandfather has, and I just like would open up the capsules and pour oh, it in. Yeah. You know, and, and I don't know if that's a thing or not, but it like it totally like helped, you know, lower my inflammation and everything. Yeah. So turmeric, the good thing about the Organifi one is they put a little biopirin in it, which is black pepper extract, which helps your body utilize and assimilate it, assimilate it. And the other thing that you might want to try is add a fat to it because it's uh, mm. curcumin's fat soluble, mm-hmm. so it'll help your body absorb it. To That's absorb a gr- it better. But yeah, ginger and turmeric are. Yeah, I do are, that in with some lemon. Yeah, oh yeah, that was a good combo. Oh, it's such a good anti-inflammatory. I'm telling you right now, it's a game changer for me. I'm doing four to eight capsules of the turmeric every single day, and I feel just great increases in mobility and energy. Inflammation fucks up your your mind. People don't realize how how uh, runaway inflammation. Because I can get that runaway inflammation because like I always have gut fog. issues. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. It's crazy. You, yeah, you, you can't think straight or whatever. I had that the next day. I was getting on the, the, the plane and I was just, man, I was just in a different place, you know, just trying to think like I, like a zombie, like getting on the plane. I remember <laughs> like trying to figure out where we're going. It was, oh, yeah, it was brutal. Left me and Justin alone with it. Yeah. Dude, speaking <laughs> of Seattle, so I, I need to make a correction. In a previous episode, I said that the... Seattle head tax that they were trying to implement on Amazon. The reason why Amazon stopped building, which by the way we oh, saw you had the a crane. discussion with somebody about. Yes, this, right? and I oh, looked really? it up. So yeah. we saw the was crane. Was it my cousin that called you out on it? No, no, no. It was um. God, what's his, I'm sorry, I forgot your name, dude. He's like a 40 year old dude, fucking great guy. He's the guy that said in the. He remember he asked the question. He said he's a recovering fat ass. And oh oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. That was so Good funny. Dude. Forgot yeah. your name, brother, but fucking loved you. Had a great conversation with that guy. But anyway, he corrected me. So I said it was something like forty seven dollars a head. 
No, they were proposing $275 head tax on, on employees. $275. What does that look like? Did like, you why? calculate that out? Dude, that's m- tens of millions of dollars. It's insane how much that would cost. But check this out. So I did some more research. The second highest head tax in the country is 50. So Seattle, by far, is, uh, is, is fucking people more than, than other cities are. And the person spearheading this, by the way, can't remember her name. It's a lady. She's in, in the Seattle government. She's a new socialist. That's actually what she calls herself. Can't believe we elect people that say that. Whatever, <laughs> yeah. Seattle. Uh, what the fuck are you thinking? But anyway, hmm. and she was saying, quote, I wish we could. We should be able to charge three times as much. That's what we should do. But anyway, they should, obviously people who don't understand Dear economics. God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because they have more money? Yeah. Is that why? Be, That's just, so logical. It's, yeah. it's so, they're so insane. So check out. Here, here's some statistics for you. Seattle, over the last five years, has increased their budget by 32% already. So over over 32% more money coming in, but they, of course, they need more because this is what happens when you give money to government. Here's the thing with government that really, uh, that people need to understand. They are the most, it is the most inefficient way to do anything ever because the people doing whatever don't, pair, don't, don't bear the cost of fucking up. So there, there isn't that feedback with the market. They're working with other people's money and there's always cronyism involved. There's always people getting money, you know, money to, to, like, for example, if they're going to build a new freeway, it'll cost 10 times as much than if you do a private company and through a market system because it, there's probably somebody who voted for them or whatever is going to help them out. So they're going to give them a shit ton of money to do a job. They don't need to, it's just extremely inefficient. So here's an example. There's a, uh, a charity in Seattle that helps the homeless people. And one of the, one of the reasons why they said they're raising this, this, this or creating this head tax is to, is to create shelters for homeless people. So there is a charity in Seattle that does this called Mary's Place. And they spend about $8 million a year to have 700 shelter beds for homeless people. Seattle government is raising $50 million. And out of those $50 million, they're going to provide about 300 uh, beds. So do the math. Eight, yes. No. This is, these are real numbers. This is, it does add up when you realize how massively inefficient yeah. and wasteful government is. No, I know. It's like way too much money. $50 million for roughly 300 or so beds versus Mary's Place, which is a charity, $8 million for 700 shelter beds, just to show you the, the difference. Fuck? Here's another example. Kind of shelter beds they got. I like know. They got handcrafted Chatham and no. Wells fucking <laughs> Do you think that money- What <laughs> the fuck are they doing over there? Do you think yeah. that money goes- to- Sleep number, you know, <laughs> fucking <laughs> a thousand. <laughs> you, know? Free, you, you think that money goes all, you know, completely goes to help not, homeless people? Dude. No. There's a lot of people getting their cut and it's a, it's just inefficient. A charity has to figure out how to spend their money right because if they don't, charity goes out of business. Right. Government just fucking- Here's what happens. Here's what happens. Let's say they raise $50 million. Let's say they pass this head tax and, and Amazon bites the bullet and it's like, fuck it, we'll stay here and we'll pay you guys. And then let's say the, you know, that they run their program. They're like, oh, we only have 300 beds. There's way more homeless people. They ask for more money. Now, if a charity does it and they fuck up, they tend to not get money because people look and say, you guys, you yeah. guys suck. You're not doing a good job. Right. This is the big difference. Here's another good example. I looked this up uh, alongside this just to illustrate how inefficient government is. Remember the Obamacare Affordable Care Act website that crashed like a billion times and still sucks ass? Oh, How much me. was it? Like three hundred million or uh, something? Like- so far, it's cost be- estimated between two to five billion. Wait, wait, dollars. Stop, dude. That hurts my soul. A website for yes. a website to administer 
the, you know, to do the healthcare, you know, dealing or whatever. So far, it's cost because Dude, give it's that to Elon online. Musk. You know, like give him that money, bro. Do some how? Shit with it. What do you think? We live in Silicon Valley. I bet you I could get a few engineers together to create a national website to do something like this oh, for easy. yeah, a hundred million dollars. No, probably less. Way Fifteen less. million, ten million. Yeah. Can Probably you believe less, that shit? One million. <laughs> I've never met anybody who builds a website for more than a million dollars. For like fifty grand, dude. <laughs> yeah, right. I swear to God. Can you believe that shit? That's how inefficient and, and ridiculous and insane. That's the shit that makes me really angry, dude. That's one of the main reasons why you don't don't give them your your like. This is why you don't want your government to do shit for you. If it's something that's important, then you'll pay for it yourself. Then people will pay for it. If yeah. it's not important, people let will us pay determine for it. that. That's it. That's, that's the that's bottom the line. Thing, yeah. You know, charities do a pretty damn good job when there's not a lot of red tape and freaking barriers to to helping people. I've right. told you about all the laws in cities that prevent regular people like us from feeding homeless people. Like if us, if we wanted to, let's say we got a deal with Pizza Hut and they were Mind Pump fans. We're like, hey, we want to help the homeless people. And they said, no problem. We'll donate you 500 pizzas and we went out and we just started you know, putting this together. We would get ticketed and we'd have to throw the pizza away yeah. because there's laws against that. Right. It's It's... It's, absolutely it's insane stupidity along those lines i'm going to read you guys some statistics for uh you guys have you guys did you guys watch the royal red wedding i didn't watch it why good. no good. I, good. I, I'm glad. I yeah you had to be up like four o'clock in the morning or something like stupid. that stupid it's yeah. so dumb so the wedding oh i saw you so do the wedding the story three 33 million dollars eight million dollars on security fifty thousand dollars for the cake Ninety thousand dollars for the trumpets and three hundred thousand dollars. This is all paid by taxpayers. For the music, there, right? Covered mostly by taxpayers. Ouch! That's <laughs> a fucking wedding, what a, dude. what a waste of fucking <laughs> stupid. Dude. So I did an Instagram uh, story on this, right? And I posted that because I think it's insane. And there's a couple English people who took offense to it, right? And they of messaged course. me, yeah. And they're like, the royalty, they're like, the the royal uh, family brings in more money than it costs taxpayers, and blah blah blah. And I said, you're missing the point, dude. You don't have a choice. They're taking your money by force <laughs> and then paying for a wedding. You know what this illustrates to me? I want the government me? to pay for my wedding. What the hell? You know what this illustrates to me is that there's like this weird innate desire that humans have to be ruled over or to worship people. You know, we do well, it. We do is, it with celebrities. This is what I. This yeah. is the one problem. It's weird. This is it the is one weird. problem that I have with your argument with free market <clears throat> is that, and this is the argument I believe, the only argument against it, in my opinion, is that. It won't work because people want to be led. Yeah. People want to be told what to do. People want to be just want to be in the past. They don't seat. want to think for themselves. A big majority. Now, there's those that are listening right now and say they disagree. Well, yeah, there's exceptions to the rule, but a, a large majority of the population are, are okay with being lemmings. Mm -hmm. They're okay, which is fun. That well, is what it's is a lot bigger than we would think. Yeah, I still I still think people want that, but I think that they'll it'll be voluntary and not uh, forced. Like, okay, here's the deal. Here's the bottom line. And is it for, really is it really forced though? If they're if they're like again that you the people that defended this. Oh, that's called cognitive dissonance, is what it is. Mm -hmm. Right. But maybe they do. Look, here's the deal. Maybe you want to pay for a royal wedding, in which case. Go pay. Go go donate. You know that's there's not a there's, there's nothing wrong. Look, here's the deal. People who say they love paying taxes and that they want to and they need to and it's no, great. No, well, what that, people want to. I do, don't see any of them paying. Over I don't taxes. think it's that. I think people don't want to think about any of it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say, oh, there's a royal wedding. I want to go give to it. No more than they want to even just not have to deal with it. It's just right. that if some of my money goes there, some of my money goes there, and and I have roads to drive on, I have a yeah. cool... Everything's taken care of. Yeah, you know, they, just, they don't want to think about so, it, even if it's inefficient, even if it's robbing them in a sense. 
they're okay yeah, with it. I think they're That's o- the scary. I part. think we're okay with with things that we're born into and that we don't take for granted. So what I mean. So let me give you an example. Let's say we were born into a, a society where shoes and clothes were always provided to us by the government. Okay. Let's say somebody a long time ago. Let's say a hundred years ago, the government said, "Hey." Clothing is essential. It's a human right to be able to have clothing to protect yourself from the elements. And I could make that argument, right? I can make that argument and make it sound good, although that's not what a right is because it requires someone else's labor and someone else's product, which you don't have a right to someone else's stuff. But I could make that argument and people maybe would buy into it. And let's say you were born into a society where you never had to buy shoes or clothes. They were always provided to you and you had them all the time. Now, if I said to somebody, hey, it's it's way this is super inefficient. It's costing a lot of money. Your clothes suck because we know what clothes would look like and feel like if the government provided them. They suck, they're expensive, they don't work. Less people have clothes than if we had a free market system. People would argue it and they'd say no. We need if we don't have government doing it for us, then we would have no clothes. Yeah. How that's, would we survive? How would we survive? And that's the problem. Look at food. Food is a food is essential for life. We need to have food to survive <clears throat> the it's argument heavily regulated though well it's 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 regulated but it's still way more free than the government providing all the food you see what i'm saying same thing with clothes today in wealthy societies like we have more clothes than we know what to do with we throw more clothes away you could actually bu- probably buy a t-shirt somewhere for under five dollars i bet you could find a t-shirt somewhere for 99 cents because markets are extremely efficient it's how you allocate resources better than anything that we've ever discovered uh, in human history. So the argument that things wouldn't happen because government didn't do them, it mainly comes from the fact that government's always done certain things. So we take, it I don't even know if the argument is that it wouldn't happen. It's more that it may be less efficient because of there, not enough people would step up to what, what we need to do. There would still be the survival of the fittest. There would still be the people that appreciate the free market and say, you know what? I don't need government to tell me where my money goes. I'm fucking sufficient enough to figure out how to provide for me and my family. And those people would survive. And then you would still would have, a large populate part of the population that would be fucking aimlessly walking around because they literally don't get it and they really don't want to put the effort in because they're fucking lazy. And a lot of people say that, but you know what's interesting is that the the science and statistics actually are counter that. So people who donate the most and do the most for other people uh, tend to be the ones that are the free market supporters and who make... So when people make a lot of money, they give a lot more. When government doesn't take a lot of it, people tend to give a lot more. Charities do a lot... When government steps up and does more, charities tend to... It's competition, really. You're competing. If I'm paying 50% of my paycheck to taxes, I'm going to give less to charities, and charities start to tend to disappear. And charities do a better job, typically, because they're closer to the people that they're serving, and they're, they're... you know, there's that feedback, right? If a charity does a bad job, they get well. What's interesting now is that we are so connected that I could see a free market society actually working because of how connected we are, right? Mm-hmm. In the past, though, I don't know. I, I would argue that it, it may be really challenging to do that because there would be. Do you so, know how? Well, many- I think we're out. You know, as far as the leader is concerned, you know how like government provides this sort of safety net, this blanket. A lot of people like tend to tend to lean on. Whereas, you know, if if it were more free market, there's there's going to be leaders that exist. You know, in certain companies or mm-hmm. certain directions, they're going to pull people in based off of their message, and I, so it's I like it gives so. them direction that I way. I think so, and I, I, you know, and I here look in Seattle, for example, 
There are people right now who are trying hard. They're going through government. They're lobbying government. They have to go through all these, these, all these challenges to try and get these things approved to build dorm room style housing for homeless people, private uh, uh, individuals. People who are like, I will fund it. I will pay for it. And the city's saying, no, we're not going to let you do that. There's people who are trying to do that right now. There was that one guy that we saw who built a bunch oh, of the little molecule homes yeah, yeah, for homeless people. And the city collected them all and demolished them. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? So it's 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 crazy. First of all, I mean, again, an entity tries to keep itself around through its own survival, and in government is like that. And if you're in an organ, if you work for the government, and you're in this in the the homeless, you know, organization or whatever part of of your local government, you're going to try and make sure that your job is needed. And you don't want anybody doing a better job than you. It's just it's just the bottom line. It's the nature of the beast. But it's extremely inefficient. It, it just doesn't fucking work well. And Seattle's making a great example of how how idiotic it can absolutely be. I mean, look at California. I'm looking at, uh, I, you know, the cost of, of housing in California is insane, especially in certain areas like the Bay Area. Right? It's just so expensive. Part of it's the demand. A lot of people make a lot of money here. And a lot of people come and try and live here because there's a lot of work. But another big part of it is, do you know how hard it is to develop housing here because of the regulations and laws? Mm-hmm. They keep the supply low, and it it ramps up the cost of, of making these houses. And I'm sure there's people making money on the on the other end of this fucked up situation. Was it you that I was who was talking about how they're going to they're going to freeze the building in in the Bay Area? In Not the next freeze five? it, but the regulations are so are going to be pretty fucking nasty till about 2025. So it's an artificial shortage right. of housing, you know, um, and it's just. Anyway, just stuff like that pisses me off. And, and here's the other thing, the other end of it. There's a moral issue here with, with taxes. Like, again, if, if I go up to someone and I ask them to give me money for something and they give it to me, there's nothing wrong with that. It's all voluntary exchange. They give me their money. They believe in what they're doing, whatever, and, and they trust me. But if I go up to someone and say, give me your money, and they say no, it doesn't matter what the reason is for me to want that money. I could say, hey, I want your money so I can go help homeless people, or I want your money so I could go to war, or I want your money so I could fix up this road. If that person says no, and then I tell them, well, you either give me your money or I'm going to throw you in a cage. I'm going to point a gun at you, and you better get... Now I'm stealing from them. And this is what this is my problem with, with taxes, and especially when it pays for shit like a fucking wedding. You know what I'm saying? So if the royal family's really making more money than they're spending in tax money, which I don't believe because those statistics come from the UK government themselves. But let's say that's the case. Fine. Get no more money from taxes and they should be able to fucking earn their own money. And let's see what happens. I bet you they go, I bet you what they would end up doing, they turn into, they try and make money like celebrities do is what they would end up doing. And would people pay them? Maybe, but it wouldn't be like this. This is crazy. Think about all, think about that. This quaz brought to you by Organifi. For those days you fall short on getting your organic veggies or whole food nutrition, Organifi fills the gap with laboratory-tested certified organic superfoods to help give your health and performance the added edge. Try Organifi totally risk-free for 60 days by going to Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. And use the coupon code MINDPUMP for 20% off at checkout. First question is from JG Fit Me. My trainer says that if I'm not intending on powerlifting, it doesn't matter that my squat is not ass to grass. How can I convince him it should be at least what we're aiming for? I've heard people make that argument before. Like, there's no need to to squat so low unless you you aim. You know, unless your goal is to compete in a competition that requires you to. 
I get that. I get the sentiment. I get why they would say <laughs> or, that. Or have you ever planned on sitting sitting down <laughs> exactly. for a kid? But, Maybe that. <laughs> look, look, here's the other. Here's the question that I would pose back to your trainer. If I gain the mobility and stability and control to squat all the way down, and I do start to squat all the way down, will I develop more muscle and more strength as a result? And the answer, if they're a smart trainer and they know what they're talking about, is yes. The answer is yes. If you train with a greater, and studies have been done on this, if you train with a greater range of motion, and I have to preface this, you have to have good mechanics, good mechanics, mm-hmm. good control and stability. So going all the way down when your stability and your balance and your strength only allows you to go down with good form to parallel, going down all the way then is a bad thing. Now you're going to hurt yourself. But if you can do so with good control and good stability, um, then do so. And if you can't, the goal should be to be able to increase your range of motion. That should be your goal. Listen, at the end of the day too, you, you don't necessarily need your trainer to do this with you. I mean, this is why we created Maps Prime and Prime Pro was so that people could use this as a as a tool that they it can complement your trainer. Your yeah. trainer can still take you through your routine. You don't need your trainer to tell you, "Hey, take your ass to grass." Like you can squat down ass to grass when you start to improve upon your mobility. And so, really, and the, most of that work is done at home. You don't need mm. to do it. You don't need to go to the gym to do that. You don't need a trainer to take you through that. You've got a video tutorial on the on the Prime and Prime Pro that you can watch. And then you can do those movements, and you know, instead of getting in a debate with a trainer that you know probably feels insecure about teaching you how to go ass to grass just because they can't, because I was that trainer. I mean, I'll tell you, I'll be the first to admit that you know I wasn't teaching clients to to drop down ass to grass. We were taught the we were taught not to. Yeah, we were taught to to stop at ninety degrees. And the reason why certifications teach trainers to teach their clients to stop at ninety degrees is for safety reasons, Mm -hmm. because. 90% 90% of the population that is above the age of 30 is going to have all kinds of dysfunction in their squat when they when they drop down below 90 degrees. That's because most people don't sit any lo- lower than a toilet seat or a chair or a car. So because, and they don't even squat down to well, do it. They just fl- flop, you know, that's flop the down. Thing. Do you want to limit your abilities? Like it, it's just interesting to me that um people are are they still feel that way as far as you know like going lower in your squat and you know that being a detriment like literally your body is able to do a lot of ranges of motion that you know it's just that you're not expressing it ever mm. and so there there has to be emphasis on um learning that and slowly getting to 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 the point of controlling um your body to get to that level but um, Adam makes a good point. It's it's not something you necessarily have to do with a trainer at the gym. Um, it's 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 as simple as like creating that ritual and like what that looks like. You have to know specifically how to do that incrementally, but it, it's going to take a lot of patterning, a lot of time, and it's not a sexy thing to work on. So definitely something awesome you can work at at home. So that way later on, I mean. Who doesn't want the ability to get lower and pick things up? And, you know, like when you lose that kind of mobility and you lose that kind of function, it's hard you, to get it, it you lose it. It's, hard it's to gone. Get it yeah, think, look, think about it this way. So uh, the, the types of adaptation, the way your body improves on exercise, based on exercise, is, is quite specific. It's the, what do they call it? The rule of specificity, right? So if I squat down to, to 90 degrees only, most, not all, but most of the benefits that I'll get, most of the strength that I'll get, most of the mobility, most of the all that, whatever, is is limited to 
the range of motion that I train with him. So, and I don't need to argue that. I think most trainers know that and understand that. So if I always squat to parallel, I'll I'll get really good at squatting to parallel. And if I move outside of parallel, there's not a whole lot of carryover. There's a little bit of carryover, but not a whole lot. So that means that when I go below parallel, shit starts to break down. This is why you can take someone who can squat 400 pounds down to parallel and they won't be able to squat all the way down with 300 pounds. Like a 100-pound difference, they won't be able to squat all the way down. In fact, they might not even be able to do so with 250, uh, depending on the, on the individual. And as they get older, it gets worse. Now, keep this in mind. Here's another phrase that we've all heard before, right? Uh, if you don't use it, you lose it. What that means is what you don't train your body gets rid of. It gets rid of ranges of motion that it doesn't think are necessary or doesn't think are valuable because it's a waste of resources. It's a waste of resources for your body to maintain strength and stability in movement in ranges of motion that you never use. Mm -hmm. Your body's always trying to be efficient because your body is the result of thousands of years of evolution where you know food was scarce and it didn't make sense to waste calories maintaining things that you never use. Same thing with your brain. Like your brain prunes itself to become more efficient because uh, based on, you know, how you use your brain and the types of things you think about. So here's so so my point is this. If you only train to 90 degrees, outside of 90 degrees, not only will not get the benefit of training to 90 uh, 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 not get the benefit of training, but it also may get worse over time. So now as you get older and you're only squatting to parallel, you're getting worse and worse function outside of that range of motion that you always train. And so you actually start to get, uh, like as you age, you start to lose mobility. And you start to lose it in the areas that you might need it the most. So not a smart idea. And if you can't train in those range of motion, ranges of motion, if your mobility doesn't allow you to, and if you don't have good control, that's okay. But the goal should be to be able to. Now, I want to I get the back of the, the trainer here just in case that is a smart trainer is there, there is the possibility that, you know, your trainer is stopping you at 90 degrees because he or she sees the breakdown in your form when you go beyond that. And so that doesn't, that, that means you probably have a pretty good trainer too. That's keeping it. Like it would be uh, worse if he was allowing you to go ask the grass, Forcing you. right. Or just allowing you, if you're sitting there saying like, Hey, I listen to mind pump and they encourage full range of motion, astagrass type of squatting, and you're having this conversation with him, and he's saying no. When you go below below ninety, your form breaks down, and so he's keeping you at ninety degrees. I think that's a better that's a better answer, that's a better choice that he's doing that or she's doing that than allowing you to dictate you going all the way down when they're looking at your mechanics and they see that it's off. Now that being said, if you're coming to him and him or her and saying, should we not work on that? range of motion or shouldn't I work towards that? Uh, yes, you're right. You should work towards that. That should be implemented into your programming, whether he or she is taking you through that or prescribing movements for you to do on. Now, I look at it this way. Obviously, you have enough money to afford a personal trainer. Not a lot of people have, have that luxury. So I know you're spending somewhere between 50 to $150 an hour just to see them. I mean, instead of uh, buying 20, 30, 50 sessions, buy one less session with them and invest in Prime or Prime Pro or the bundle. And now you have all the tools that you need to get yourself to squat down as low as possible. And it doesn't even require your trainer and or you then can take that to them and show them like, hey, can we implement these into my routine and or 
you be, this becomes your, which would be ideal in my opinion, if you have a five o'clock appointment with your trainer, you get to the gym at 4.30 and you put in the necessary work to continue to work on your mobility so that when you go into your session with your trainer, your body is primed, hence the word prime and prime pro, this is where it's from, it's primed and ready to squat with your trainer. Yeah, absolutely. And it, you know, it's funny. I was watching a, a video on Instagram of, uh, I don't remember the guy's name. It was a pro bodybuilder doing barbell squats. And it's all, it's almost always painful to watch. You ever watch pro bodybuilders do barbell squats? Ter- it's terrible mechanics because they never, now they've got lots of muscle, lots of strong muscles that don't work well in unison for some of these movements because they never, they never train them. And so you watch these squats and I'm looking at them. And they're squatting with four plates, which is a lot of weight, but not necessarily for a 270-pound shredded, you know, roided out bodybuilder. And you're watching the form. I'm like, oh, my God, that looks horrible. You can train muscles and get develop muscles and have terrible, you know, terrible control over movement. You want to have both. But besides all that, let's say your, your goal is just to look better. You just want to look better. Again, does, the, does a fuller range of motion with good control contribute to better faster results than a shorter range of motion. Yes, it does. And so even if your goal is aesthetic, you should train yourself to be able to get larger, longer ranges of motion with control. It will only benefit you regardless of what your goals are. Next question is from Snack Attack Blog. (laughs) Is that you, Justin? Yeah, I like snacks. (laughs) I am very active and eat keto and paleo with a bit of dairy. And ate myself into an egg intolerance about six months ago by eating them too frequently. (laughs) After six months off, I just tried eggs again and it wasn't pretty. So I'm assuming I just can't have them anymore. What is the likelihood that I'll have a similar reaction again to another food that I eat frequently, like coconut oil or ghee? Or was I just predisposed to an egg allergy? You know, it's, so it's funny. This question was up on our, our our page, and there's some guy that was like answering everybody's questions. You guys see this guy? Yeah, yeah. Who is? No. <laughs> he was trying to answer you didn't all the see questions. That, Justin? He, I didn't. See he it. went through, and I was like, I actually was gonna DM him and be like, Hey, man, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> making our job easy. Huh? He, had, he had a few of them that were a little off though, so I was like, Okay, you can't be coming in like you're a mind pump person and answering questions if you're yeah. not legitimately doing the work in and learning, bro. Yeah. So he was saying he tried to say that eating a food frequently doesn't create uh, an intolerance, which is partially correct. It's not that you're eating the food a lot that's causing the intolerance. It's that you, you're an inflamed situation and yeah. you're over-consuming. So it could, potentially could be anything, right? It's right. It mm. can be. So what happens is when you have an inflamed gut, um, and it can be mild inflammation, so it could take a long time, or it could be a really bad inflammation, in which case you could develop a food intolerance very quickly. When you have this intolerance, food particles, proteins get through the gut where they're not supposed to. Because the gut is this, it's this semi-permeable membrane between that separates you from the outside world. Now, we don't think of it that way because it's inside our body. But it's literally a tube, if you think about it, a tube that connects your mouth to your butthole that goes through your body that is not inside your body. In order to get inside your body, you have to travel through the membrane and get absorbed within the body. So it's like, it's like your skin. Like your skin separates you from the outside world to a certain extent, so does your gut. And the gut is very intelligent and it decides when to allow things in and when not to allow things in and what is toxic and what isn't toxic and all that stuff. What happens when it's inflamed though, just like if you had inflamed skin, the cells get separated and things get through when they're not supposed to. And when that happens, 
the body starts to identify these things as, as invaders. And when your body thinks something is invading it, it, it mounts an immune Attack response. And then when it mounts, when it mounts an immune response, the immune system has a memory. This is why you. Be, this is why when you get chickenpox once, you don't get it again typically, because your immune system remembers. It's actually quite brilliant, right? It's, a, it's an incredible feat of of evolution or design, whichever camp you're in. But the the immune system remembers so that you get the chickenpox virus again. Immune system sees it right away, kills it, and you don't get infected. So this is what it's doing to the foods that you eat when you're inflamed and what you eat the most of tends to create the strongest immune uh, response. So you're eating lots of eggs, you're inflamed. Now your immune system thinks egg protein is a foreign invader. So now when you eat it, you get diarrhea or constipation or skin issues or you just feel shitty because an immune response creates a systemic inflammation which then just doesn't feel good and it can result in a lot of different uh, types of symptoms. So it's really the combination of the two um, that's the problem. Now, there are foods that you tend to create intolerances to a little easier. Eggs tends to be one of them. Egg whites in particular contain antibodies. Um, they're actually there to protect the yolk. And when you cook them, you destroy a lot of them, but some of them are still in there. And so it's just, for whatever reason, eggs and dairy and gluten and nuts tend to be more uh, immunologic or whatever, where your body has a higher likelihood of recognizing those or thinking that those are, are foreign invaders. But can you get another food intolerance? Absolutely. If you, if you don't solve this, this inflammation that you have and you eat a lot of, you know, I had a client once who we did, you know, they, they came to me, this was years ago. It was like maybe, I don't know, seven years ago. And she, we couldn't figure out the cause of her. Um, she had, uh, what's their psoriasis and what's the other skin one? Eczema. Eczema. She had some eczema on her elbows and you know on the, in the creases of her elbows and stuff, and we couldn't really figure it out. And we cut out all these foods, and it got a little better, but it didn't always it didn't go completely away. So we start we did some some uh, some testing where they test for IgG antibodies, and she did several of them. And we realized we found out that she had an intolerance to bananas. Hmm. I mean, sound like such a food a food that's like so you know sh- nobody should have a problem with, but she eats bananas. She used to eat banana almost every single day. And so she just developed an intolerance to bananas. Once we removed them, the eczema went away. And so you can do that with almost any food that you eat a lot in the context of a lot of uh, inflammation. This is why I think uh, like dairy, dairy intolerances in the fitness community are fucking high. I don't know anybody. I know very few people who are. You think this is all the whey protein? And yeah, stuff? dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know very many. Like we've we've idol or we freaking have. Um, put it on a pedestal for so long, you know? and just consumed a shit ton of oh, it. Yeah. And on top of it's it, end all be all. And on top of it, consuming it post workout when you're already more inflamed. inflamed. And then it's pre digested, mm-hmm. so you absorb it faster, which makes it easier to go through, and you know your body and get recognized mm-hmm. as a. Because I don't. I mean, th- honestly, think of all the people you know in their mid thirties who've been training for a long time that like are cool with dairy. You know, yeah. I can have a lot. Not, not, not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. Maybe yeah. even you, uh, Justin. Yeah. No way, man. I'm good with Derek. You know what I'm saying? We're friends. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, have you guys identified- Seems like you have a love-hate relationship. <laughs> no, I, it's all love. Well, dude, you don't you don't even eat gluten anymore. No, no, I don't. And that that was the, the one that I was able to kind of, like, identify, you know, after doing this elimination process. And I think, you know, 
anybody should should go through that process just to learn more about their own body and how they respond. You know, if if it is things you've been eating constantly, and I and I joke about the dairy thing, but I definitely eliminated it for a while, reintroduced it. You know, and was 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 expecting, yeah, that I was going to have some fucked up reaction and be depressed. But, uh, yeah, because I do eat it a lot, you know. But Mm -hmm. um, you got that Northern European genes. You guys tend to do better. Somehow I do okay with it still. But, uh, yeah, gluten was a, was a problem. And, and so that's just one of those. It's, it just makes me feel better. And then, but I'm careful with it, too, because I know Dr. Russo talks a lot about, like, you know, the psychological aspects of yeah. it. Of like, you know, I don't want to, like, demonize it too much to where I can't ever reintroduce it and not be flexible ever again. Um, you know, just like knowing that, like, oh, I'm consuming it. Just the thought process that goes on with that identifies it as like, this is going to be a problem. Maybe I'm actually producing that problem. I I feel like is I can like handle certain amounts of it. And then I go over like, because of my ice cream abuse for so long, like I could not, if I were to (laughs) ice cream abuse. Yeah. (laughs) You're like AA meeting. Well, let's you. be honest. I mean, the ice cream comes home later. Than <laughs> if I <Yeah>. bitch, <laughs> I was stupid, fucking Rocky Road. Yeah. I mean, I was eating a pint of fucking Ben and Jerry's for at least two or three years there, and before that, I just it was, picture you sitting on the couch, slapping. That's exactly what it looked cones. like. Watching yeah. my favorite Netflix show or whatever, dude. Just mm. it was before Netflix, but yeah, you know, I definitely. So now I can no longer eat anywhere near that amount or I pay for it. And trust me, I've definitely tested it a few times on birthday parties. Like, oh, that cake and ice cream sounds so good. But what I've noticed I can do, I can totally have cheese. I can have a glass of milk. I can do I can do dairy in small amounts. I can't afford a 1,500-calorie bomb of dairy in, in me or mm-hmm. else I, it, it tears me up. So mm. as long as I have do it in moderation, it's totally fine. I do notice I have some sort of a reaction when I go overboard. So. Yeah. Justin, what, were you, when you, what do you notice now when you eat gluten? Is it right away? It is almost like immediate. It's crazy. Like God. I, yeah, it's it's frustrating because like, I mean, I still have moments where I want to live and like just do things like I would do. With, like so, for instance, my kids, I, I took them to go see uh, Infinity Wars, and and before that, like they actually have like food within the movie theater. But I was like, oh, gross! Like it's terrible food there. Or whatever. If I'm gonna eat terrible food, I might as well go next door, which is this like pizza place. And was like, well, do they have any gluten free? Because I was like, fuck it. They some have like this dough now that doesn't have gluten, and so I looked. And they didn't have it, and I was like, you know what? Whatever. I'm, I'm gonna be okay. Like I'm just gonna like mentally be in a space where I'm like, I'll just eat it and like have good time with them. Go, and so I ate it, and almost within like five minutes or whatever, I just like my stomach was turning over. Like like acid was already coming up. And it was it was just like I hadn't had that those same feelings for like months because you so, got rid of it. From yeah. Me. So and it, it was just frustrating, but at the same time was very good to know. You know, like that they, I still have that kind of a reaction, and now the association is so much like pinpointed that like when I when things used to happen like that, I just be like, oh shit, I need some tums, you know, and I just would like not even think how crazy about what is I it? ate. You know, how crazy is that that you can live for so long. Because I did the same thing with you know some of my issues. Like you can live so long and just think like, oh, this is just how I am, mm-hmm. and not realize that there's one one specific thing you're doing that's causing the problem. Like not even realize it. Like my my poor girlfriend, right? She very healthy. We lead a very healthy lifestyle, but every once in a while she would get like acne, right? And she would get like cystic acne in parts of her face, and it would hurt. And she'd get so frustrated and so angry. And we're trying to figure out what it was like. 
She eats a healthy diet. It's always the shit you don't want to let go of. That's right? a, it's true. I know, dude. It's never it's true. That's why you know people that listen. There's like, oh, I'm fine. It's like, yeah, yeah it's because yeah. you're fucking dude, mindlessly eating certain things it's, that you don't want to let go. There, of. And there's, I think that yeah. there's things that you subconsciously pretend like yes. it can't be that. Can't be that because well, I, I like it so much but, and my body accepts bro, it so well. You think, bro? <laughs> Jessica yeah. is like she worships chocolate. Like yeah. chocolate is like her favorite thing in the world. She'll say that. Like she hasn't. She says it's a spiritual thing for her. She loves it. <laughs> And I would. Oh man! That sounds like spirit, Justin with his cheese over spiritual, there. Spiritual. Yeah. I remember. I remember uh, telling her too. I remember specifically telling her at one point, like, "You think maybe the chocolate is? No, no, no. I've been eating chocolate for years. It can't be the chocolate." I'm like, "Are you sure? Nah, I can't do. It. Now, chocolate's a it's a bean. You know what I mean? It's a food. It can cause intolerances or whatever." So she did this, and it was for Lent because uh, my kids, you know, were, were like, "Oh, we're gonna do this that for Lent." So she's like, "Okay, I'll do it with you. I'm not. I'm gonna give up." You know, something, and I, I think it might have been one of the kids was like, what about chocolate? And she thought about it and she's like, I don't know. She said, okay, I'll do that. So she gave up chocolate and her skin totally cleared up. And, and, and we were talking about this and I'm like, do you think maybe the chocolate was giving you acne? She's like, oh, please God, I hope not. <laughs> like, I yeah. hope that's, and it started, she started to realize uh, that it might be that. Well, guess what? 100% it's the chocolate. She's tested it several yeah. times now where she'll eat some chocolate. Boom. She'll break out. She's like, fuck. So now she doesn't eat chocolate like she used to. But it's crazy how you you'll you'll have all these things and you'll it's almost like you'll either will either subconsciously or whatever, like you said, you just take tums every day. Yeah. Like, don't even think twice about it. You just do it. Yeah. Next question is from Pass That Versace. Yeah. <laughs> and that's Adam. Yeah. <laughs> Pass it over here. If you could reprogram the fitness, health, and wellness industry, what would that look like for each of you? Reprogram it? You know, make like change it. Change the whole industry. Well, we're trying. Aren't we trying to do that right now? Here's the thing, though. Like, if I were to reprogram it, you know, back 15 years ago, it would it would not it would blow up in our face, and we wouldn't have a business today, right? It's because of how fucked up it is that it allows us to move into the space and create a, a like, profit. Thank you. Yeah. No, it is. It, it really <laughs> is. So I think you have to be careful when I when, I have to be careful when I say like, how would I reprogram this? I mean, I hope that we're. And I don't think we're the only ones, but I do think that Mind Pump is uh, an example of a, a major force that's trying to move the industry in the the right direction. And you know, we spoke at a um, mastermind group, Vince Del Monte's, not that long ago. And one of the things that uh, we were talking about was, you know, times are changing right now with how people make money in this space. And it used to be this old model of, you know, you you because you could post fake shit on Instagram and get all these followers and then you sell them supplements and you know more and more people are calling bullshit on this and so and more and more people are realizing a lot of these you know insta celebrities are insecure and bullshitting and so i think that we are moving in an era of you know being honest and mm -hmm. and sharing insecurities and things like that and you know i think when you look at the 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 most well-known people in the space, most of us have had or have some of the biggest insecurities. It's what drove us to look so good. Mm -hmm. And so I think that more people, more people coming out and being honest about that and sharing that because there's a lot of these, you know, fitness celebrities that people idolize and they think their lives are so perfect. And if they really understood how dysfunctional most of them are and how fucked up they all are, that they may not want what they have. But right mm -hmm. now, we still kind of are in that area where half the people are still following these people thinking that they have this 
amazing life that they want because they post the flashy cars and they show the cool trips and the flying and the and they look badass on all their pictures so they think they carry themselves at seven percent body fat year round and but I think that's changing. No, I think I think you're right on the honesty front for us to reprogram it because it's not that I condemn people for wanting to go extreme. You right. know, like I don't I was into sports, you know, I don't really like express that fact alone that that like sports to me is a fucking like it's a it's a proving ground. It's a challenge. It's it's will over, you know, adversity. It's it's like so many things to me and it's not fucking healthy to always be in that space. No, not at all. It's but, another extreme. Yeah, but it but that's you know, this is the whole optimizing, adapting kind of sequence, right? So just being honest that I'm not being super health healthy for my body right now, long term. I'm not selling it that way. Right. You know, like, or I'm looking a certain way right now because I know it's super attractive and people like that I that's look a, like, like cosmetically, you know, like on another level than everybody else. Like I look that way right now. And I know that like my health is probably deteriorating on the inside. I think that's a I think that's an excellent point right there, Justin. Is that it? I think there's nothing wrong with being a bodybuilder. I think there's nothing wrong with competing. I think there's nothing wrong with being hardcore into sports and training that way. As long as if you're somebody who's out there and you're marketing yourself or you're selling programs or you're selling this like where who you are, what you are is is being transparent with it. It's like listen, like. I, I can be a competitor and I can I don't have kids, I don't have a wife, I don't have thing other responsibilities in my life. So I can be a hundred percent selfish and, mm-hmm. and, and about myself mm-hmm. and the way I want to look, but not not portraying it as I'm living this healthy lifestyle because again, not only are we we talking about health as law as far as nutrition, training, stress, but also the other part. How about relationships and and not being completely narcissistic and and having a, a social awareness as, along with a self-awareness. Like there's other parts of, of health. And I think that that doesn't get addressed mm-hmm. when we look at these people that do these incredible feats performance-wise, like Justin's saying, and then also aesthetically, right? Like we see the mm-hmm. bodybuilder side of the business. So, and then we can lump CrossFit into that too. You know, you have these CrossFit athletes that train at these extreme levels that are in insane that people are looking up to and aspiring to be like. And it's like, well, if you only knew how out of whack a lot of these fucking people really are with all the other aspects of their life, you may not idolize them the same way. Mm -hmm. And I think there's nothing wrong, again, with building a business and being transparent with that. I think you could come out. I mean, I, I believe that I tried to do that. I think that's what gained me a lot of traction when I was first competing was saying to people that, listen, I'm going to do this knowing damn well. You were very honest. Yeah, knowing damn well it is not the answer or I'm not admitting or saying that this is a healthy way for people to live. I'm I'm showing those that may be interested in this space and sport like this, this is the way to do it. This is the healthiest way that I can do it, but knowing that it's not ideal. Here, Here's the... Here's the the scary or non-comforting truth, the truth that nobody wants to to understand. In in free societies, markets are reflections of us. That's 100%. I'm going to read a quote right now from one of my favorite economists of all time, Thomas Sowell. He was a student of Milton Friedman's. And this quote, he's talking about politicians, but it, it, it applies to all markets, including the health, fitness, and wellness industry. 
He says, the fact that so many successful politicians are such shameless liars is not only a reflection on them, it is also a reflection on us. When the people want the impossible, only liars can satisfy. Now, what do people want in fitness and health? Mm. They want to be in shape yesterday. Mm -hmm. They want to be fit yesterday. They want it to be easy as fuck. They don't want to mm -hmm. deal with the growth and the challenge and the change in behaviors. They don't want to deal with the responsibility that is that they are their lifestyle and their behaviors are the reason why they look the way they do and they feel the way they do. Nobody wants to deal with that. We want to blame everybody. So I you know, part of what we do here at Mind Pump is we try to shine a light on the industry to apply social pressures on them so that they can claim some responsibility and change as well. Mm. However, that will not work at all, at all, if the consumer doesn't demand it as well. And what we're literally trying to do, literally, this is 100% what we're trying to do. We're trying to sell the consumer on why they need to put pressure on the industry. We're trying to explain to them, this is what you really want. Mm -hmm. Now make sure this is what you look for. If you're going to follow people, follow people who provide good information. If you're going to buy a product, make sure it comes from organizations that are responsible, organizations that actually care about things that should be cared about. If you are going to work out, make sure you buy programs that are programmed well, that train you properly, that don't promise false things, because you're the one that drives this whole thing. So when I look at the fitness industry, and I'm disgusted by it like I am most of the time, I realize that... I'm part of the problem. I bought all that shit for decades. I bought all the products. I followed, I paid for the magazines. I followed the people that, you know, that lied or whatever. So you know, the, the reality is if I could reprogram the industry, I don't like to think that way because I'm not a king. I'm not going to control everything. They're a, they're a response to the market, dude. 100%. Yeah. We are responsible. The market wants to quick fix. The market wants to be so back that's to right. my point earlier today. They're giving you, they are People want to be lemmings, dude. That's right. They're giving us exactly what we want. Now, what do we see now with the market? We're now seeing companies like Thrive Market, for example, who is donating some, you know, X amount of uh, free memberships to, to, low-income families every time they get a membership. You know, we're, we're working with companies like Mir who are, you know, donating X amount of dollars to charities. Now, why are these companies starting to do this and why is that part of their, their, their success? Because the market's demanding it. The market wants it now. Now yeah. people are starting to say, hey, not only do you need to make good products, but you also need to make good products that take care, uh, companies that take care of their employees and that are responsible in terms of the environment, in yeah, terms consider of- Consider your impact in the world. That's it. And, and that's just the reflection. And I think the fitness industry is starting, like, like most industries, is moving in that direction where, you know, a, you know, before and after that's Photoshopped, you know, might sell some shit today, but five years from now, it might not, it might do the opposite. Someone might look at that and go, oh, that's fake. I'm not going to buy that shit from, I'm going to buy shit from this company because they're- they're, they're bullshitting me or whatever. So at the end of the day, like we have so much more power. Like if everybody went to their Instagram right now and just stopped following all the fake fitness people, you would see such a fast shift. Those same fitness people, trust me, with you know half a million followers, they would change their marketing ploy very quickly. Once they lost oh, a yeah. shitload of followers, next post you would see would be how real and authentic Meditation. they are or whatever. Meditation, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's true. Organics. It's, yeah. it's super true. We're the ones driving, and the and, the, and a, a still it's still like this. The consumer demands fast. They demand easy. They don't want to take responsibility, and they don't want to make any real changes. 
it, but it's starting to change and we hope to be a part of that change or at least report on that change, at least report on it with our megaphone. Next question is from CSG USA. Thoughts on divorce and best practices to assist someone in processing the entire experience and moving past it. Well, you guys know my theory on marriage. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It should be a fucking three-year lease or whatever. <laughs> it's, it should be a three-year. Like, yeah, like, ten year, yeah. You think you, they should have to get remarried? Yes. <laughs> and, and you don't have to go. It should not be like a crazy. It's not that bad of an idea. I don't want it to be a huge process. I just think that... It, for all the tax benefits to say that you're still married and everything like that, you would have to submit a form in yeah. that requires both your signatures. Very simple. Right. Every and I, I'm I'm open to three, five, or seven. I think it has to be seven or less because everybody knows the seven year itch happens to everybody. So I think the three or five year mark is important. That every three to five years, you have to just look at your partner and say, "Hey, do you yeah. still fucking love me? I still fucking love you. You know, let's like, do. Do you need that new car smell, let's, or do you just want wax and detail? <laughs> right. Let's do yeah. that. Let's do that. Let's yeah. do this for let's, another let's get a wax and detail, three or hey. five years, and let's keep going on. And I think uh, divorce rates would be different. I don't think we. You would, think they'd be lower or higher? <laughs> Be, <laughs> I think they'd be through the roof. I'd be, you know, because this wouldn't be a divorce. It would be an a understanding. Renew, it'd be, it would just be, uh, we opt not to renew. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, there would so be no more, divorce rate. More be, people would break up. It would be like this. But it, there would be less divorces. It would be like this. The only divorces you would see are the people that make absolutely, which there's still, I'm sure there's a percentage of, of these marriages that happen within the first year or two. There's lots of, uh, what do they call them? Uh, annulments. Oh, and yeah, uh, yeah. what's the other one called where you, you can break it off in a year or two? So... I, you would still see these the the drunken Vegas marriages, you know, divorce rates still there. But I think there's a lot of people that stay in things for a lot longer because it's just convenient. Because it's like, oh my god, to file the paperwork, to do this, to Dude, do that, like to split. The, I to hate s- you, but it's easier just to uh, be with you. Like, that's how I feel about Comcast. It's fucked <laughs> 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 up. Yeah. You do the, the the process of. Going through assets, dividing all that stuff, right. up, organizing, you know, the, the the property if you have one, the kids, all that stuff. And I think and that's should, not even including the that, emotional. And I stuff. think that should be yeah. a sliding scale. Like so, at, at every three years, when your your lease or your renewal comes up, you know, if your <laughs> if your wife or your partner has made it that long, they should be entitled to a percentage of each other's income or whatever like that, and that increases as time goes on. So if you've been trucking with me for twenty years, you I built still up be- some equity. Yeah, I still believe exactly. I yeah. feel believe I believe that you've built up enough equity to deserve half my shit. So I'm not like against that part of it. I just think that people should have to, I think marriages should revisit those conversations. I meet a lot of people that are, are still married and they just don't really love their partner. They just, it's now become a roommate, you know, yeah. it's a, and like, I, I've never wanted that, you know, like I want. No, it should be a constant conversation anyway. It's like if you're, it almost, for some people that might actually be great because it forces the conversation to happen, right? Don't you think a lot of people? Totally. Like, I mean, I think that I, I think Katrina and I have incredible communication and and by no means does that mean we have a perfect relationship. We have lots of ups and downs and hard conversations, discussions and tears and all that shit. But yeah we're not afraid to have that conversation, mm-hmm. which I think is really important that people do. And I think this would force those conversations for people to have because, hey, your renewal just came in the mail. Oh, look, our, our marriage renewal. Oh, just- shit, I got to get to the gym. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I just I think it would be, we'd have a lot more, a lot happier. So it's like automatic divorce unless you uh, renew. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, you know it's so culturally for me in my family, 
divorce is like one of the worst things you could possibly do. That's how I grew up. I grew up thinking of it in that way. There was only one divorce in my family, as I, my entire family as I was growing up. Um, it's a very, uh, it, it, for me, that was part of why it was so difficult. The other part of it was that, you know, I had two kids, the guilt of doing that to my kids. Cause I thought, oh my God, if I get divorced, it's going to destroy my children. It's going to be such a difficult thing. And then I met uh, a friend of mine, um, Marco, who was one of my clients. Marco had five kids and him and his ex-wife would celebrate certain holidays together with the kids they would all go to games together. He was constantly in contact with her. Um, and by no means did they like necessarily like each other. They tolerated each other. They were okay with each other. But they really worked together as a family because they were still partners in raising their kids. And it blew me the fuck away. I used to talk about, him to, talk about this to him all the time. And I learned from him. I could see what he did. And he was such an involved father. And the kids flourished. I, met, I would meet his kids and they were just wonderful children. And everybody was so awesome and then when they started when they started dating other people everybody was invited to these family they actually took a trip trip off this right they took a vacation where he brought his new wife she brought her new husband and all the kids and they all went together i really think that on should, vacation. i really mm-hmm. believe and i know some things is probably things is crazy but i really think that should be a, a good goal of a divorcee 100% like i think if you've been divorced or you've got you've gone through that i think a, a very healthy goal to have is i hope that one day in the near future that i can take my partner and or if i don't have a partner but i could i can be okay with being in a space especially with, if you have kids right yeah. well because of that that's because, especially because who kids. gives a shit if you don't have kids yeah, yeah. if you don't have a kids like what the yeah, fuck are you doing going on vacation yeah, what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> it's like unless they're that fucking cool you know what yeah. I'm saying like uh, I think maybe Katrina and I have talked about this like you know if we were to go separate ways we'd probably be still really good yeah, friends yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying yeah. like we maybe we would still hang out well with each you know other. when know. you when you hate someone and you're angry or whatever that's that's a, that feeling destroys you. It doesn't right. just it doesn't do oh, anything yeah. to them. It heals you to, it, to, to to put yourself in that situation. It does, sure. and and the cost of a divorce. The the it, some people will go through a divorce for five years of legal bullshit back and forth, and at the end of it, you know, the person's like, "Well, I won. I got what I wanted." Oh, but how much did you spend on those lawyer fees? In reality, you actually lost a shit ton of money, and not to mention the stress and the bullshit. And this is just because people have a tough time like being mature people Mm -hmm. can't but especially when you have kids like you know when i got divorced look if i didn't have my kids would i ever really talk to my ex anymore probably not i mean i really don't care it's not that big of a deal i mean i know we have a long history but i probably wouldn't wouldn't talk to her that much but we do have children we do we're partners in this like we're always going to be their parents and so the goal is like we don't want to be together anymore and we have significant others now but the goal is to be as good of parents as we possibly can be and work together. And so we still have our roles. Like, for example, at the, my daughter's communion, my ex planned it. She, that's what she does very well. She organized and planned it. And so my contribution was to pay more of the cost of it. And I don't mind doing that. And we work together as a team to, to put this together. And I think it's, that's such an important thing. And you know, when you look at the statistics on how divorces affect children, and this is what scared me. This is why I was married a good, you know, seven years longer than I than I probably should have, is because you look at those statistics and you see like, oh wow, children in divorced households, like the rate of uh, you know drug abuse, the rate of you know depression, the rate of whatever, it's so much worse. And but then I realized that it's not necessarily the divorce that's the problem; it's how the parents handle it afterwards. Mm-hmm. Because if you get divorced and you handle it well, 
I can tell you right now, I'm a better father, 100. Mm. percent I know my kids have a better situation now mm-hmm. than we were when I was married, and I think that's very possible. Uh, it it is. just requires you, the two of you, to care about that. You have right? to put all your yeah. shit aside. Right. Like, here's the thing. It's not There's about you. You guys know this. There's been times where after during the divorce and after where I haven't had some. I've I've had some pretty bad things to say about my ex, and I'm sure she's had some bad things to say about me. Do you think I would ever? Yeah, you never ever in front of your parents. utter a negative word. Or, about her to my kids? Of course not. Do you know that's common though, just yeah. so you know. That's that's parents do that shit. Married people do that all, all the time, yeah. let alone divorced people. Know. Now when you're talking to your kid about their mom or their dad and how shitty they are, you're also talking to half that kid. Because mm-hmm. a child a child's uh what what children are predispositioned to do or what they have a tendency to do is they have a tendency to own things. So when something goes wrong, it's easier for them to say it's my fault than it is for them to say I don't know what happened. And so when you're talking to a kid and you're telling them how shitty their mom is or their dad is, I mean, they're going to identify with some of that because that's their parents. Well, it's partially them. And and they're going to feel terrible. And worst case scenario, what you or excuse me, best case scenario, which is still bad, you may cause that you may fuel a resentment in that child for that parent that may take decades or never yeah, for but them to... Let me tell you this, though. What ends up happening most of the time is the other way around. They end up having resentment for the parent that did it because one day they get fucking smart. And they get, I lived in a home like this. Right. Yeah. You know, I lived in a home that, you know, my mom... Well, I mean, we had the my stepfather who was thrown out of the house every six months, and we hated him. He was evil. He was bad. He was, all, he was abusive. He's all these things. And then she changed her mind, and then he would be back in, and now we loved him again. Oh, we love him, and it's dad, and oh, shit, now six months later, he's out. We hate him. Mm-hmm. And so we had this back and forth, and it, she was always, she didn't have she a lot- She was trying to get you guys on her side or something, right? right? and she didn't have a lot of friends, and so much of her venting was to us kids. Mm-hmm. And so, and I see how it's affected all of us. You know, all of us have different relationships with our stepfather and her because of it. And I think because I'm the oldest, and I kind of saw most of it, and I grew through it, you know, there's a, there's resentment that I have towards her that I'm, I'm, I'm angry that she put us through all that. And then on top of that pitted us against mm-hmm. my stepfather, who by no means is excused from all his behaviors, but is also just a part of all those behaviors because she has her own part. Mm-hmm. And yet you for many years made me feel like he was it's his fault that we were going through all this. Like, like as an adult and a grown a grown ass man who can reflect now, I'm like. No, fuck no. You put us through that. You know what I'm saying? You're just as much responsible for this as he is responsible for this. And the fact that you made me feel like it's all his fault growing up makes me even more angry at you. And so I think I think a lot of parents don't think about that. No, they, they think that or they don't think. You know, I know people who are divorced who literally when it's time to drop the kids off at the other parent's house, they stop the car in front of the house, open the door, the kids walk out and then they go in the house. Nobody says hi to each other. Nobody whatever. And, and they're still doing dual custody. And it's yeah. like, what a strange position to be put in as a kid. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're being dropped off into a whole nother world and those two people, you never see them communicate or you never see them. Like it, it, it almost, for children, that almost like it makes them feel like they have to choose or pick, yeah. you know, which side. Now I do know, I do understand that it takes two people. So you could be all about working together and all that stuff. And the other person could be a complete piece of shit and asshole. In which case, I say this: just be honest with your kids and and, and show empathy, but don't. And, and what I mean by honest is like, hey, why why isn't dad ever show up, or why is he always, you know, missing his appointments with me? You say, well, it looks like he has some challenges and he's not showing up, and doesn't look like this may be his priority. Just be honest. Don't show anger or whatever. Let the child develop their own 
feelings around it because you throw your own stuff on top of it. They may either rebel against you or it may feel something completely different, but just be totally honest. I have a, I have a friend who's like that where her, her husband or her ex-husband, excuse me, you know, he's super absent. You know, he's not a completely absent father. You know, he shows up here and there, but he's one of those like shows up at birthdays and, you know, you know, shows up every once in a while type of thing. And then sometimes he won't show up at all when he's supposed to, you know, do things. And she just bad mouths the fuck out of him to the kids. And I tell her, I'm like, you know, I know you have your feelings about him. They have to have their own feelings. So just be honest. Just say something like, well, it looks like he didn't show up because he forgot. And then just leave it at that and let her, let the kids decide for themselves. But don't sit there and hammer them with how shitty of a person they are or whatever. And also you can still respect yourself. If you, if you're the primary caregiver and this other person is not a good person to be around your kids, I understand that. Or if they're okay with the kids and not around you, you need to respect yourself. I get all that stuff. But I really think if people just took ownership on this and just, I think we'd have less problems that are associated with divorce. Because even with all as well as we work together, even with our families knowing each other and everybody being organized to create a, a, a good, uh, a better situation for my kids and all that stuff and all the wonderful people I'm surrounded with, it's still fucking hard. It's still extremely challenging. I wouldn't wish it upon my my worst enemy. So it's still going to be tough, and I just feel like people make it so much harder for everybody by you know throwing in their their ego and their anger and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. Agree. So check this out. Uh, if you go to Instagram, you can find our individual Instagram pages with our own unique information. My page is Mind Pump Sal. Adam is Mind Pump Adam. And Justin is Mind Pump Justin. Follow me. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now, plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump. <laughs>